Hello, I'm CM Conway, the filmmaker of the witty and poignant indie, How to Successfully Fail in Hollywood, now on Prime Video, and FunnyFailureFilm.com. On this now monthly podcast, we celebrate funny flubs, bodacious blunders, and miraculous missteps that happen to us as artists. So hone your funny bone and let's get started. Greetings and welcome to our podcast, inspired by our fun little flick, How to Successfully Fail in Hollywood. The champion of bold dreamers and artists working hard every day to make their dreams come true. The film follows Ellie and her best friend, Ben, and their heartfelt journey of self-discovery, friendship, and finding their true identities in the gilded city of Tinseltown. Film also shares a bounty of secrets and treasures, where the real gold resides, of the inner workings of Hollywood, a fun but quintessential how-not-to guide in the entertainment capital of the world. Ellie and Ben also learn how to flip failure and find their sense of humor along the way. And that's what we try to do on this show. So if you're an artist and you've had a mishap that's happened in your creative journey, and you'd like to share it on our show, please visit funnyfailurefilm.com and click on Share Your Story. Today's story is Chapter 4 of The Story of My Life by Helen Keller, who was an accomplished deaf and blind woman and an author, advocate, and activist. Her autobiography was published when she was still in her early 20s. She also attended Radcliffe College. This story is performed by George Cooney and is a LibriVox recording in the public domain. The most important day I remember in all my life is the one on which my teacher, Anne Mansfield Sullivan, came to me. I am filled with wonder when I consider the measurable contrasts between the two lives which it connects. It was the 3rd of March, 1887, three months before I was seven years old. On the afternoon of that eventful day, I stood on the porch, dumb, expectant. I guessed vaguely from my mother's signs and from the hurrying to and fro in the house that something unusual was about to happen, so I went to the door and waited on the steps. The afternoon sun penetrated the mass of honeysuckle that covered the porch and fell on my upturned face. My fingers lingered almost unconsciously on the familiar leaves and blossoms which had just come forth to greet the sweet southern spring. I did not know what the future held of marvel or surprise for me. Anger and bitterness had preyed upon me continually for weeks, and a deep languor had succeeded this passionate struggle. Have you ever been at sea in a dense fog, when it seemed as if a tangible white darkness shut you in, and the great ship, tense and anxious, groped her way toward the shore with plummet and sounding line, and you waited with beating heart for something to happen? I was like that ship before my education began, Only I was without compass or sounding line, and had no way of knowing how near the harbour was. Light, give me light, was the wordless cry of my soul, and the light of love shone on me in that very hour. 
I felt approaching footsteps. I stretched out my hand as I supposed to my mother. Someone took it, and I was caught up and held close in the arms of her who had come to reveal all things to me, and more than all things else, to love me. The morning after my teacher came, she led me into her room and gave me a doll. The little blind children at the Perkins Institution had sent it, and Laura Bridgman had dressed it, but I did not know this until afterward. When I had played with it a little while, Miss Sullivan slowly spelled into my hand the word D-O-L-L. I was at once interested in this finger play and tried to imitate it. When I finally succeeded in making the letters correctly, I was flushed with childish pleasure and pride. Running downstairs to my mother, I held up my hand and made the letters for doll. I did not know that I was spelling a word or even that words existed. I was simply making my fingers go in monkey-like imitation. In the days that followed, I learned to spell in this uncomprehending way a great many words, among them pin, hat, cup, and a few verbs like sit, stand, and walk. But my teacher had been with me several weeks before I understood that everything has a name. One day, while I was playing with my new doll, Miss Sullivan put my big rag doll into my lap also, spelled D-O-L-L, and tried to make me understand that D-O-L-L applied to both. Earlier in the day, we had had a tussle over the words M-U-G and W-A-T-E-R. Miss Sullivan had tried to impress upon me that M-U-G is mug and that W-A-T-E-R is water, but I persisted in confounding the two. In despair, she had dropped the subject for the time, only to renew it at the first opportunity. I became impatient at her repeated attempts and, seizing the new doll, I dashed it upon the floor. I was keenly delighted when I felt the fragments of the broken doll at my feet. Neither sorrow nor regret followed my passionate outburst. I had not loved the doll. In the still, dark world in which I lived, there was no strong sentiment or tenderness. I felt my teacher sweep the fragments to one side of the hearth, and I had a sense of satisfaction that the cause of my discomfort was removed. She brought me my hat, and I knew I was going out into the warm sunshine. This thought, if a wordless sensation may be called a thought, made me hop and skip with pleasure. We walked down the path to the well-house, attracted by the fragrance of the honeysuckle with which it was covered. Someone was drawing water, and my teacher placed my hand under the spout. As the cool stream gushed over one hand, she spelled into the other the word water, first slowly, then rapidly. I stood still, my whole attention fixed upon the motions of her fingers. Suddenly, I felt a misty consciousness as of something forgotten, a thrill of returning thought and somehow the mystery of language was revealed to me. I knew then that W-A-T-E-R meant the wonderful cool something that was flowing over my hand. That living word awakened my soul, gave it light, hope, joy, set it free. There were barriers still, it is true, but barriers that could in time be swept away. I left the well-house eager to learn. 
Everything had a name, and each name gave birth to a new thought. As we returned to the house, every object which I touched seemed to quiver with life. That was because I saw everything with the strange new sight that had come to me. On entering the door, I remembered the doll I had broken. I felt my way to the hearth and picked up the pieces. I tried vainly to put them together. Then my eyes filled with tears, for I realized what I had done, and for the first time I felt repentance and sorrow. I learned a great many new words that day. I do not remember what they all were, but I do know that mother, father, sister, teacher were among them. Words that were to make the world blossom for me, like Aaron's rod with flowers. It would have been difficult to find a happier child than I was. As I lay in my crib at the close of that eventful day and lived over the joys it had brought me, and for the first time longed for a new day to come. This touching story reveals the struggles, failures, and ultimately, the discovery of language. Helen's account brings to life something that is easy to take for granted, understanding the world around us. Her experience often focuses on relying on her senses and elements in nature as vital keys to the pathway of comprehension. We can take deep inspiration from her story as artists, when we work hard through trial and error to learn or craft an artistic language to communicate with the world. Her determination is a remarkable example of not giving up and persevering to find the path that shines a light to illuminate us all. Thank you for joining us in the How to Successfully Fail in Hollywood podcast. Copyright by Showstoppers and FunnyFailureFilm.com Intro and outro song, Twinkle Twinkle Little Star by David Mumford Until next time, remember, mistakes makes art more interesting.